everybody, and welcome to the Transformation Gold Podcast. I am your hostess, your coach. My name is Nicole DeVincentis, aka Figure Chick 911. Awesome to have you here with us this evening, gearing up for the new year. We're in the last couple days here of 2019. I believe it's the 29th of December. And for those of you who coach with me on the regular, know that the last quarter of the year is your ramp up for the first quarter of next year. So when you're coaching and training with me, um, typically who what I find is that people are either exhausted from the year <laughs> that they just spent and they literally got the you know what kicked out of them and they need to kind of like come down, chill out and like regroup a little bit. But for the majority of individuals who have coached with me during the course of a calendar year, all right, so all four quarters, we actually have a system and a methodology that we go about doing so that you don't get the shit kicked out of you so that in the last quarter, you're not giving up because you either have not made progress, you fell behind, or you're just flat out freaking exhausted. When you coach and you train with me, we continuously use our momentum, we steer the momentum, and that empowers you to continuously make gains and progress, which is really the secret to keeping you ingrained in whatever endeavor it is that you're, that you're involved with. Does that make sense? So if you're listening to this podcast right now and you are feeling like, oh my God, I cannot wait for 2019 to like be over because this is like, I barely made it alive. Okay. I'm going to ask that you listen from a different angle. Okay. And actually from a very, uh, a higher vantage point, um, in, in terms of placing yourself in the shoes of, you know, what, what could have been different had I made different choices during the course of this year. And then in this last quarter of the year, what, what, how could my January have been different if I had made a few different choices and now I'm on my ramp up. Okay. So once you start listening through that vantage point, I want to assure you, yes, it may be the 29th of December, but if something that I say kind of like puts a little bit of like a, a hitch in your, or giddy up in your hitch or whatever that saying is, and it sparks you to take some productive action or course correct, then use that to your advantage. And then you've had your momentum sparked and you're going to be, you know, prancing into the new year, you know, all happy and, and proud and making progress and you know, ahead of everybody else who's waiting until New Year's to set a resolution. Okay. So however you land on this podcast, like you're never, you're never counted out. Okay. As long as you're taking that information and your intent is to do, you know, some self triage and and course correction if need be, and then utilize that information to to take action steps (laughs) moving forward. Okay, because really the goal with this podcast is to shorten the time. Okay, this is like what we quote about here. Shorten the time between what we call idea inception and execution. So that means you get an idea and like, bam, you're already in action. Okay, the the most important thing is to 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 begin action once the idea comes like idea comes commitment. You're already in action like there's no lag time. Okay. Sometimes the taking action is now you're conducting due diligence or networking to 
acquire different resources or you're doing, you know, some sort of maybe a little bit of like knowledge acquisition here in order to make your strides greater. But be cautious that I'm not encouraging you to hide under the blanket of I'm getting ready or I'm in the the planning stages and you're not taking any action at all. Okay. I am like you, your endeavor, your progress will grow by leaps and bounds and really exponentially once you put your legs down on the floor and actually start walking towards the goal rather than sitting around thinking about what you might have, could have, should have, would if the case, you know, situation were completely perfect and all the stars lined up and you understand what I'm saying. Okay. Now for everybody else, people who have coached with me, people who are like ready to like ramp up, you know, finish up strong this last quarter of the year and you're ready to like charge into the brand new year. I want to share with you a personal experience um, because never at any point now very early in essentially what is a public speaking career and, you know, kind of like maybe like midway in a coaching career or whenever, you know, I quote unquote arrive. I never want to come across to you as a robot who's not subject to ebbs and flows of setting new goals and falling down and getting back up again and, you know, maybe not hitting the target the first time around and coming back and revamping and working a little bit harder and, you know, making some adjustments here so that you eventually hit the target. Like every single one of us and every person who I've ever known and any person who I've ever read about, even the most, you know, well-accomplished people all throughout history, I think more times than not, most people will see highlight reels or read or watch, depending on if you're on social media or whatever, you'll see the highlight reel. You'll see the wins, the successes, the good times. But what you don't usually see are the failures or the misses leading up to a goal. I was going to say missed attempts, but it's, it's miss, misses, okay, leading up to the goal. Or the actual, how long did this whole thing actually take? The feelings of defeat. The feelings of jealousy that come up when you see other people hitting the target that you had set. Or somebody takes your spot. Or somebody beats you, okay? So all of the things, and I know that everyone's like, well... You know, you have to be a good sport, and I agree with that. I agree with being a good sport, but for me personally, okay, this is going to be more, let's call this a straight talk podcast. So if you have sensitive ears, straight talk podcast is literally where I will do my best not to drop F-bombs because I'm that's something that I personally am working on for myself in new goals stepping into the new year. Um, but I try not to beat her on the bush, okay, and just give it to you straight as though I were coaching you and you were at the point where you didn't need sunshine, roses, and flowery vocabulary and sometimes just blowing sunshine up your butt. What you actually need is you need to be spoken with in a clear and direct fashion, okay? Just like this is how it is. 
And that's the job of a coach, right? Coaches are there to encourage you because they believe in you for some reason. And whether or not it's your talent, whether they see something in your character qualities, like your coach loves you, but a good coach is like a bookend for you. A good coach is honest with you and will not lie when you're messing up or when you're not executing to the level that they know that you're capable of. And I think as you travel along, I don't think, I actually firmly believe as you travel along your own journey of personal development or professional development even, you really come to know a lot about yourself. And I thought you know who you are. Like, I think everybody at the end of the night knows when you go to rest your head on the pillow and you're laying there, you know whether or not you gave it your all, right? And if you can go to sleep or if you can brush your teeth and look yourself in the eye, in the mirror, and know with full conscience that you gave it your all, even if you didn't hit your target, I'm not, and trust me, I'm not saying like be satisfied and just be like, oh, well, I tried so hard because that's, that's, that's not me either, but there's a lot to it that if you give it your all, you have clear conscience that the reason why you didn't hit the target was probably somebody was just freaking better than you. Okay, like that sort of defeat, what can you say, right? Like clearly this person (laughs) outperformed me, didn't necessarily maybe outwork me, outperformed me, outscored me, flat out, you know, just it was better. Whatever they brought to the table was better than what I brought, okay? But it wasn't because I didn't do everything within my power to hit that freaking target, Okay, so the topic of this straight, uh, straight talk podcast, we're talking about targets, we're talking about end of the year, and I'm going to put this podcast into real time for myself, partially for documentation so that when I come back and I listen to this podcast, and I will use this material for other things, I use my podcast a lot for documentation in terms of where I was mentally, where I was financially, where I was emotionally, spiritually, relationally, like all the stuff that goes into if you know what my pie of life is, like all of that stuff. But I also do this as a paper trail for you guys that I know a lot of you are on your own journeys. And um, when you're on the journey, it can be intimidating when you're only hearing powerful like successes and wins. So I want to be very transparent with where I am as your coach right now and let you in on, you know, some of the stuff that has taken place. Um, So to kind of like summarize, you know, a little bit about me before I delve into the story, um, Transformation Gold Coaching and Training Academy actually came about after I did a complete um, career shift and it started out only as changing careers. I I come from a nursing background, but what it transformed into was actually like pressing the start over button on my entire life. And um, man, this has been a few years in process here, (laughs) but holy crap, I got to tell you, like I've been a registered nurse for years and years. And I knew when I 
walked into nursing school that I wasn't that it wasn't going to be a long-term strategy for me like it wasn't going to be a wealth accumulation strategy for me what I didn't know what the next thing was going to be okay so this lady does not does she have her lights on now I'm driving and this lady's texting but she doesn't have her freaking headlights on isn't that just curious so here's where we're at fam that I didn't know what I wanted to do after becoming a registered nurse and so I spent a long time trying different things I went back to school I opened my own business Um, I had developed an allergy free baking line put that on the market realized after a huge financial hit that this just isn't enough to wake me up in the morning like it it was and when you I had a lot of hesitation in quote-unquote pulling the cord out of my nursing career not just because I liked the work that I was doing I retired after I became after I achieved my, my goal of becoming a flight nurse so I was on the helicopter and it wasn't just because of that but it is the financial ramifications and that when you I put my heart and soul into that whole entire thing and I had a vastly developed like hyper developed network. I was never short of work. I had recruiters calling me and emailing me daily offering me jobs not just to work as a bedside nurse but to go I live in the United States to go across the country and help open major medical centers. So I'm telling you like there was never there was never going to be a shortage of money or opportunity for me staying in that particular industry. And when you go from that, and trust me, like I, I think I started the transition, well, probably when I joined nursing school, but seriously, it was around the year 2000, I think, was when I really started pressing the accelerator to move out of the role as a clinical nurse that I was in and do something that was going to earn a higher essentially wage um, without having to be you know frontline I, I come mostly from emergency room uh, ER and critical care nurse and I just you know it gets old after a while and it's like nothing changes it's becoming more and more unsafe physically to be there unsafe medical legally just like the whole nine so it was this whole process back and forth and I you know, took an educational role and then um, I was doing contract work and I was doing traveling work and I was trying to find my way within the industry because I, probably like a lot of people, I had a mortgage, I had a car payment and um, I, <laughs> the market had started to teeter, the real estate market had started to teeter in the downward direction and then you know, I got... then the market flipped and then I was upside down on my mortgage and then I did I really didn't want to quit any of my jobs then and it was like nothing was ever moving in the right it just seemed like everything was getting worse and even though I was making adjustments and moving towards different opportunities and I had different part-time opportunities so I wouldn't get stuck in the political bullshit of being full-time at one organization. Like, I don't know if it's anything like that in anybody else's profession, but for a while there, once healthcare was being taken over by big businesses, 
by pharmaceutical companies, by insurance companies, and then ultimately had like a massive infiltration of socialism in there. It was like, there was no reason for me. I couldn't stay anymore. And it wasn't that I was burned out. It was, I was fucking fed up. And I was honest to God, like fearful that my license was in jeopardy. That's how I felt. And coming from an ER background, like we, the first rule that we have is safety first, like seeing safety, like you have to make sure everything is safe. And that includes like nurse to patient ratios. Like, are you operating in a capacity where you are going to be able to make very swift, very decisive, critical thinking okay, decisions about the well-being of somebody's actual life in the heat of the moment, something that may affect not only their life, but their family's life, are you being set up for success to do that? And I've always worked in ERs in major academic centers, so I will, I own the fact, like, this has nothing to do with my ability to tolerate and actually flourish in an environment of chaos. Like, that's, what I've been groomed to do. I'm an awesome stabilizer. I'm an awesome organizer. I'm an awesome triager. I'm an awesome team builder. I'm a freaking awesome leader. I know exactly who I am, but when you're being set up to fail, okay, if you're being given 13 patients who are on monitors in an emergency room setting, who are drunk, who are high on multiple substances, you're in charge, like the whole entire situation becomes, it moves from chaos and you're working towards stabilization to what's grossly unsafe. And for me, I refuse to put myself in a situation where my license would potentially be revoked. So this was all about me, right? My income earning potential, but also to put myself in a position where I would be the one who could potentially do harm to my patients because of being distracted. And I refused, okay? I put my heart and soul and life and blood, sweat and tears to paying my way through fucking nursing school I refuse to let that be taken away from me because of some fucking business that views nurses as a liability rather than an asset. That was finally for me what was the final straw. And I was hemming and hawing. I was listening to this podcast before, like my previous um, recordings, and all I could hear in my voice was fear. I was hearing fear and uncertainty. And I know where it was coming from. I did not make a 100% full-blown decision that I was not going to return to the industry. I still kept like the Jimmy in my back pocket that, you know what, maybe I should go back. Maybe I should go back. Things are getting too scary. You know, things are starting to like turn. The economy is getting a little bit better. You know, maybe they're going to be hiring more nurses. Maybe people are going to have more revenue to deal with. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And even though I said it that I was never going to go back, I will 100% own the fact that in my heart of hearts, me as Nicole DeVincentis, knowing how I commit or I don't commit, did not fully commit to not going back because I still was hooked by this element of fear. And I'm telling you people, like, for me, I cannot live my life like that. I can't. I can't. I've never made decisions ever in my nursing career 
or when I did other things, becoming a, a figure competitor to division of bodybuilding, like I never did anything, even in nursing school. I lived on the north side of Chicago at clinicals that I had to pass through the west side of Chicago on the subway in order to transfer to a bus to get to the medical center, which was in a bad neighborhood also. On the night shift, I was like, excuse my language and don't take offense to this, but I was the only white chick on the freaking train at 10 o'clock at night when I was doing this. And my freaking white scrubs, that's what I did. Like I never operated from a place of fear during any point of goal attainment. And hearing that in my voice on my previous podcast and how shaky I was knowing myself, it may not have come across that way, but I know me. Okay, so the, por- the purpose of this podcast moving forward is to let you in on some of the, the places that I know I was actively shielding because I'm telling you, when shit gets real and you are financially strapped, and financially strapped is like the fucking understatement of the motherfucking 10 plus years, okay, I will be the first to tell you that you operate different. At least I do. When you don't have, okay, I may have had a house to live in, but I didn't have food. Okay, so you like play that scenario, like you put yourself into anybody else's shoes and I'll be the first to tell you like, I was tempted so many times to go back and I went back a couple times. I took a job as a school nurse and nothing changed. Nothing changed. It was actually far worse medical legally working as a school nurse than it was working in a high acuity research center, academic center in the ER or ICU. Like that's how I I felt about that. Not to mention the fact that some of the nurses that I was working with came to work high. And I was like, what in the motherfucking shit are talking to myself? What are you doing here? You do not belong here. They will clearly hire anybody. It's not like they're after you because you are so awesome. They have zero standards. You are setting a very high standard, like changing things. I was a float nurse going to all these different schools. Like I did not need any supervision. I was handling meetings on cases for like social work and all this stuff that I had no previous information for like like all the shit but for me to walk through these steps I only took that job because I was hurting for money so fucking bad and I'll be honest with that like I own that a hundred percent what I've been doing is actually sharpening my coaching skills what I was doing was actually walking what was a really fucking scary path a hundred percent by myself and developing a coaching methodology to coach myself through it because I'm telling you, shit was real for a long motherfucking time. And so what happened was when I finally left, like my last full-time nursing job that was in 2014, okay, and I started podcasting, was at the end of 2017, I think, and then most of the podcast took place during 2014. 18 or 2019, whatever, the past couple years. We'll look back at the days, it's irrelevant. But um, what was I going to say? Shit, don't you hate it when you have a mental blank? Oh, so as I made, as I left that job in 2014, I knew that I needed. 
somehow, if I was going to get a job, okay, this was after the baking, you know, endeavor. This was after, like, all kinds of, like, me essentially just working to put food in the table any possible way. I was cleaning houses, doing all kinds of different shit, public speaking. Um, I was teaching CPR classes. I was doing whatever I could without going back to being a clinical nurse in order to just fucking have food. It was, it was motherfucking, excuse my language, I know I said I was going to drop F-bombs, but this is really how it felt at the time. It was painful. It was like I was drowning every single day of my life. It was horrible. It was horrible. And then to pour salt in the wound, I told you this began with a professional transition, but what I decided to do, really what, what expanded this out was... I knew that I needed to do something different professionally because ultimately I wanted to adopt a baby. You know, I'm not married. There really were and are no prospects on the horizon for me to get married. And I don't know if that will ever happen. But if it doesn't, I would like to be a mom. That was where I was. So I went and I interviewed with an adoption agency and um, needed to actually raise some money you don't really pay for the baby, but there's some costs involved, like legal, legal proceedings and everything. So I was doing that, and then I was in the process of taking a look at, well, because remember, this is elective. This wasn't like, oh my gosh, I got pregnant. Like this is, you, this is literally like planning, you know, how you're going to handle parenthood here. And I was looking what it would look like as a single mom. Financially, what is this going to look like? And where I was living at the time was far away from my family and my family was completely over leveraged with their time. So even though everybody in my family was pretty excited, or not everybody, but some people in my family were really excited about the idea of me adopting a baby, when you look and you draw this out, I was not going to have any help. So then you default back and you say, okay, well, I'm going to need a caregiver of some sort, whoever that is, but I'm going to have to pay for that. So in order for me to actually be able to afford childcare, I'm going to have to work more. And I don't really know what my career endeavor should even be, but I'm going to have to work even more so that I can pay for that. But then I'm going to have to work more to pay for more childcare while I'm working more. And no matter what I did, the numbers, I couldn't make sense of the numbers. And I'm not, and hear me out. Like, I know you'll never have enough money to like have your children, right? Unless you establish yourself, you know, financially free. Like I get all that stuff and you should never not do something because you're worried about money. Like I get it. I'm telling you, I was in a freaking hole. So there was no way I was going to drag any kid from the foster care system, from birth, you know, adopting that baby into freaking poverty. I grew up in poverty and I refuse to pull somebody else into that train wreck experience because it fucking, it's hard to change your freaking money dialogue that goes along with it. Like it's bullshit. And I know that kids need love. I'm not denying any of that. So if my family's on this podcast, like I hear you, I get it. I'm not changing my path based on like the sunshine. I'm, I'm, you have to be in reality at some point. And that's where I operated from. So once I realized that, number one, 
I was in career transition. I could not stay in nursing anymore, no matter, like, I just, I would not do it. I freaking had it. I didn't know what the next thing was going to be. I, I did not like and actually, I used to call it, failed at the first business endeavor for an allergen-free baking line. I had no vision as to like what the hell I was going to do. I was doing anything I could scrappily to put money on the table. And meanwhile, I was applying for sales jobs because I knew like if there was ever going to be a career that I could excel at and not have a cap on my freaking income, it was going to be something in sales where I could earn commission. So I did that. I applied for different sales jobs and I didn't have a network outside of nursing. I went and I talked to family members who had business connections. They all told me, well, if you want to go into sales, like they told me to first just be a nurse. And then they told me, well, why don't you just go do like, you know, drug company sales. And I don't think that people really understood. Like when I said no, I really meant no, I'm not staying in this industry anymore. So I did not get any referrals. I had zero help. In fact, I had people who were working against me and were making my life a living freaking nightmare because of the choices that I was making. And I understand that their actions and what they said and what they did came from a place of their fearing. Like, you can look down the path and you know exactly where Nick's going to go because she's been freaking hard-niched in nursing forever. Like, she's what, like, just stay where you are, you'd be fine. And they were operating from fear and just making shit real, they were making a bad situation worse. Not to mention the fact that because I had no network, I had not perfected any sales pitches yet, in turn, including like putting myself in front of decision makers at a sales job and did not, so I wasn't getting hired. I was getting rejected all the time to even have an entry level sales job. And then when I looked at the places that I knew would hire me, I did not want to return to what was essentially a boys club. So coming from Italian heritage, Italian family, like I'm just going to leave it at that. Just like this is not meant to be a feminist um, podcast in any way. I love men and I, I don't have hard feelings towards men. There's a lot of cultural practices within Italian heritage that are blatantly just like fucking bullshit. And... I looked at that, okay? So there was like the financial thing of changing a job. Then there was the, I wasn't going to have help. I wasn't going to have a team being a single mom. Then I was peeling back the layers after that. And I was looking like, okay, what am I going to be teaching my kids? Like, where are the mistakes? Where I started peeling back the onion on every single layer of my life and took it down to like freaking bare bones. And it was total shit, like everywhere, And the whole entire time, like, there's no money coming in. So it makes it, at least for me, like, hard isn't even the right word. There was healing that had to go on from, you know, past things that had happened. And, like, it was like my whole entire life, it was like picking up a wet, moldy, dripping, disgusting towel, like off of the floor. It's just like nasty and it's dripping there on the floor. And it was like, how in the hell did this happen? That's how I felt. So I really didn't know which way to turn. Okay. So when that happens for me, 
The only place that you should ever really look and turn is straight up and that's towards God. And I remember one day I had had it and I was laying in my bed. I talked about this on a previous podcast and I promise we'll get into straight talk like and get you rocking on your way. But I really want you to understand where all this coaching is coming from. This isn't like bullshit that I just pull out of my ass. Like everything that I coach and train on are the exact same things that I use during the lowest times of my life and the same things that I still use when I work with my people and when I level up my own personal levels of production and performance and what I, you know, have expectations, whether these are athletes or, you know, organizational leadership, coaching clients, women of strength, or however it is that I come across you. Okay. So what I'm telling you is I I have been through the trenches and practice what I preach. Okay. So anyway, everything was terrible. I basically, I was laying in bed one day it was like four o'clock in the afternoon. It was still very, very light outside. And I just remember laying in my bed and I said to God, you're going to have to help me here because I don't think I'm ever going to get out of this bed ever again. Like everything is horrible. I, it's not even like I want, I have suicidal intent here. It's, I, I am not going to get out of this bed. Like I have nothing to live for. My life is complete and total shambles now that I'm honestly looking at it. I'm not working anymore. I'm looking at all the dimensions of my life. And it was really one of the lowest times ever. And I closed my eyes. I don't know for how long. And when I opened them up, it was still light outside. And I I don't know what made me do this, but I walked over to my closet and went in there. It was a walk-in closet and just picked out five five or six pieces of clothing it wasn't very many that I hadn't worn in a long time I don't even remember if it was one that fit or didn't fit irrelevant but it was you know things that I just hadn't worn in a long time I put them in a paper bag and um, took them to Goodwill and uh, the next day I came home from work went straight to the closet and found in there I don't remember now if it was seven, eight, maybe it could have been 12 bags of clothing, like grocery paper bags of clothing and just started this like massive purge. And that's what actually started that whole transition, um, the breakdown before the buildup, if you would. Like I, I, you can call it an energetic clearing. You can call it whatever you want to. But I went through my whole entire house and it was timely because I was also going to be moving. I obviously couldn't afford to stay in my house any longer. And so I just went through and I was getting rid of everything. I sold a lot of stuff, you know, liquidated. I got, I sold jewelry, I sold um, clothing, I sold furniture, I sold artwork. I donated a ton to Goodwill. I mean, I just like everything. And that's, for me, what really helped the physical, like, environmental part of starting over. But really what what led me through the whole entire process, unequivocally, was my relationship with God. And during all that time, I knew that stuff was going to get worse before it got better. And I walked that path willingly because I knew, I knew with full clarity that God had me on the path. 
and I knew it was going to hurt. I probably didn't know how bad it was going to hurt. Otherwise, I don't really know that I would have done that. But um, hands down, the best thing I have ever done. Like, I, I wouldn't change anything about my journey. I wouldn't change any any of the low points because during those times, like, it's true what they say. Like, when you're down to nothing... There's nothing except you and God. Like, that's it. I, I imagine it's probably very similar when it comes to the end of life. It's, it's you standing in front of God. And you're not going to have any of your belongings. You're not going to have your career. You're not going to have your friends and family. You're going to have nothing. And to have clear conscience and know that through those times, he revealed important lessons to me. He always put the right teachers in front of me. He always put angels in front of me to give me a hug when I so desperately needed it like I wouldn't it was hard but it was also really one of the most beautiful (laughs) but very very long five to ten year span to really dig down and get into the the splinters in my heart that needed to come out um and some of that heart work that needed to take place so that when then I'd be placed on a track for a rebuild, it would be being, it would be, it would be built, that's what I want to say, on truth and on what I believe to be is true. How about that? And there would be no little voice in the back of my head giving me any doubt that when when, not if, when I latched on to a different profession, um, when I started earning income, which was very, very high, higher than I had ever achieved before, I could do so in peace because I was going to have financial truths. You know, I had been brought up with some of the things like, you know, money is the root of all evil and some improper untruth, like skewed truths about money. And I went in and, and learned all those things. So now coming out the other side, it's way easier. Okay. So what I'm telling you is that when you go along that endeavor and you get down to like the bare bones, the grassroots, and you fully commit yourself to, for me, it was a healing process. For me, it was a clearing and a cleansing process that, I mean, from all kinds of stuff, like damage from past boyfriends, damage from, you know, and everybody gets screwed up along the way. I don't think anybody ever has a perfect upbringing in any way. You have to eventually just clean up your own shit and you just, it gets so tiring carrying all that around all the time while you're still making moves out in, you know, your life, whether those are professional goals or personal goals or whatever that you're doing, like it just, it gets so exhausting. So that's what I did. Now, to bring you up to speed in terms of like the whole money thing, I was applying for sales jobs, but nobody would hire me because I was so hard niched as a nurse. Like you, you know, fill out your resume and they saw, you know, okay, you're a nurse and they were very polite and they're like, you know, while you have a very vast, you know, and wonderful resume here, unfortunately, and that's all that I ever read. They never gave me instructions or advice on what I should do. So it was hard for me to like break into a sales environment. So what I did was one year I decided, you know what, I am just going to go work as a seasonal employee somewhere. 
okay? I, I just, I'm going to do something just to be around people, to be around joy, because by this point in time, I had had it being around sadness and all the, you know, all the crap that comes along with, you know, going down my path as I had um, chosen to go. I wanted to be around pretty environment and I wanted to learn a business other than healthcare. Like those were my goals. And I wanted to be in a reputable company with quality products and that I would feel good about essentially selling. And I thought, you know what, retail would be a fantastic place for me to go. So what I did was I started working for um, a very famous, you know, international retailer and was working in the housewares department and eventually started selling furniture there and really was paying attention to the sales numbers at the end of the day and I am so grateful that those people hired me on they actually hired me after believe it or not after the seasonal um hiring was actually over and welcomed me in and those people they just like they built me up in so many ways and just like restored my faith in mankind and I got some really great working experience there and one of the things that I was able to do was actually um, establish you know some some numbers in terms of sales so that when I would then go to the next employer I would be able to have a more powerful and you know poignant conversation with them in terms of my personal levels of production and sales so to recap for that I had um, booked I think in I, I think it was five month time period I'm still not quite sure on the days I, I didn't work at that place very long in furniture for a while because I wanted to move on and start making some commission because um, it was still a minimum wage job um, but I'm pretty sure that I closed as just shy of 300k in in furniture in five months time as a part-time employee and so I was working furiously to develop a pipeline of recurrent sales and was actually working remotely with I think all of these people, a couple, I mean, there were some local sales that I had done. I had done some home consults and stuff, but for the most part, the, the places where my biggest sales came from, like multiple rooms of furniture, and we never even got to decor, like this was still the furniture component. It was places I had never stepped foot in. So everything was done, you know, remotely with measurements that were given, like blueprints with measurements or the client measured the room, sent me photographs, you know, via email or text or whatever. And, and we furnished, you know, different places, you know, in, in their home to make it beautiful. And what started happening was at that job, um, things were getting kind of rocky and I don't, you know, I don't have full disclosure as to why things were getting so yucky, but um, the economy was better. People were definitely spending more than and more frequently than they were in the past, but the work environment was actually getting just bad. And I started to feel after a while like I was really being taken advantage of in more than one way. Um, I started having some physical issues there, believe it or not. Um, my eyes started getting real bad, um, just like, 
you know, it's not lit. It's not, it wasn't well lit. And some of the numbers that you would have, like the barcodes didn't always scan on some of the things that we had. So then you'd have to enter the numbers manually. Or if you had, you know, coupons, like the numbers underneath the barcode, they're like, they're microscopic. And oftentimes the font was blurry. And so to try to read blurry microscopic font in, you know, ambient lighting, like my fucking eyes, like it was bad. And my body was starting to hurt. And um, there was a point like I couldn't move my elbow. And then once I moved into furniture, we were carrying around big, heavy iPads and um, my thumb started hurting. And then we had some broken things in the store like some door handles were broken and when I went to go open one of them and pull the door the door hinge thing the locking mechanism didn't work right so I injured myself but I didn't report it because I couldn't afford to be off work like it was just it was just bullshit like and people started quitting and it seemed like as they started quitting for some reason it almost seemed like I absorbed their workload and the expert just like the whole energy in the place started changing and it became yucky just like really shitty I just didn't like it and my plan was actually not to I ended up leaving before the holidays and it was a busy time for them I, I my plan was to leave after the first of the year but things had gotten so rocky there that I used my frustration as like freaking gasoline to increase my sales numbers so that ultimately when I did go and I found a different job, which is where I'm at now, um, I'd have higher numbers to actually represent. And so I did that. I got hired on, um, made a transition, you know, gave a two weeks notice and then moved quickly into the place where I am now. So I'm telling all you all this so that it's not like anything happens overnight. It's not like, oh, this coach, like she just, you know, talks about being great and, you know, champion mindset coaching and all these things, every single one of us has to go through some sort of a process. You know, whether it's time to build up either a reputation or build up, you know, proof of proof of your own personal concept that you can hit certain targets, whether KPIs or, you know, whatever this means for you, um, and you can do so consistently and repetitively. It wasn't just like a one and done, like you're you're like an A player, like you high level producer, no matter what, even when the workload gets bad, even when you don't eat, even when you're not sleeping, you still are freaking rock solid. And but that's the expectation that I have of myself. Okay? I know who I am. And I know for my personal self, I don't like to set measly, little, small, little targeted goals. And I refuse to have a loss occur or fall short of a goal because I didn't do everything in my power to hit that target. And with this job, I was in my interview and the question came up in the interview what it had to do with with um, not it, not salary in terms of income, like what would be a good? I forget what they the wording, but it was like you know how much money a year are you going to be happy with? Like what's your goal? And so I put the number out there. It wasn't astronomically high. I didn't think that it was. It was not what I want to be earning on an annual basis. Is actually 
like way less, but I thought as an entry point, this was a fair number. And the sales manager said, well, <laughs> um, batted it down and just said like, well, nobody ever hits it that high in their first year. Like usually most people hit this number and it was, it was like half. Are you going to be happy with that? I was like, no. <laughs> I thought, and before I even gave him a number, like I told him, I said, I refuse to put a cap on it. And he wouldn't, like, he wouldn't let up. Like, he wanted the number. That was the only reason I even gave him a number. Like, I don't want to put a low number out there because it totally, like, it limits what you actually achieve. And I think they saw that side of me in the, in the interview, but they wanted a number. So I gave the number. They told me the number was too high. That, you know, and then the question was, was, well, if we invest all this time and money into this girl, into this woman, and she only hits this, this sales figure, is she going to quit? Like, I know that's where they, that's where they were coming from, but here's what I know about myself. Okay. Here's why I have such high, high, high expectations of myself is because I know what I bring to the table. Okay. Number two, I know my work ethic. And number three, and this is going to date back a little bit here, there was a figure competition that I was getting ready for. All right. It was actually nationals in 2011. I posted this on my Facebook just recently here. Um, It was like, you know how stuff comes up on your timeline, stuff from the past. And I saw that this, you know, my, my debut at nationals came up on my timeline and, um, I talked about how it was my placing, it was ninth in the nation, but for me, it was a loss because while I was getting ready, okay, while I was in show prep and I was doing cardio one morning, my goal with nationals was to place top five. Now, the previous national level show that I had done, I placed dead last. So my goal was to shoot straight up to top five, like, and no one was going to freaking work harder than me. This was just how it's going to be. So one morning I had, I was deep in contest prep. I had a significant amount of weight to lose. Okay. So that's probably not the best thing to happen. I lost it, but it was like hard. And when you're depleting that bad and you are low on body fat, I will tell you it's, I was doing cardio. It was before like 4:30 in the morning or something like that in my garage. And I live in Chicagoland. So it was cold. And like when you have no body fat, you're cold. And then your joints are cold and you're doing, you know, cardio. So your knees hurt and your feet hurt and your back hurt and you're tired and you're, it was faster cardio. So I was hungry on top of it. And I remember the moment I thought to myself, I'll be happy with top 10. I thought it, like I didn't say it. I just thought it. And at that moment in time, I am telling you, it was like my life force was just like, I felt it leave my body. I felt it physically. And I knew at that moment of time, I was still going to bust my ass for the rest of this contest prep. I wasn't going to do anything to sabotage myself, but I knew that I lost it because mentally I let down. And I, I ended up placing ninth, which, which yes, it was an accomplishment. Yes, I displaced two girls who had been sitting in the top 10 for a while. I own that. And yes, you know, as a debut at what was like the major, major, major show as a natural athlete, somebody like who's 10 years older than the other women who were competing in the same division as me. Yes. Like there was accomplishment there. 
and I was happy with the progress, but deep inside in my core and deep inside your core, you know that you cannot lie to yourself. And the mere fact that I allowed that thought to get into my head, that I would be happy with top 10, I vowed that I would never, ever, ever allow myself to become so fucking weak to let myself lower a motherfucking target ever again. Okay, so that's where I come from. That's honest to God, the standard that I have for myself. I can't live with myself if I do that. And now having this new job, what happened today was I'm only, am I like a month in? Okay, so I'm still in the furniture industry and home design. And this is a much bigger company. Um, We have well over 200 vendors, different vendors that we deal with. Everything, for the most part, is custom. I know there's no way for me to know all the information that all these vendors have to offer. Just being a month in. And half of the month, like... I was still in training at an off-site, not even in my showroom. I know this logically, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I'm there to sell. I'm there to sell. I'm there to make money. I'm there to build a pipeline and develop not only my personal business, but that of the corporation for which I work, like I'm fully aware. So tonight, excuse me, tonight they had a Christmas party and I reported that I would go and um, it was only going to be for a couple hours, but I did not make a freaking sale this week, and it's been busy, and it wasn't that I didn't have quality conversations, it wasn't that I didn't qualify people, I did, I didn't close sales, and so part of it was I was learning about pricing, I'm still learning about product, like I get it, I own it, but at the end of the day, I am in sales, and the fact that I did not sell, now granted, some of the pieces that I was pricing out, like 16 grand for a freaking sectional, like, I didn't question the fact that the people were, like, batting, they didn't want to invest that big of, you know, that amount, like, I understand that, but even having reworked a proposal or moving to a different frame that's not quite so costly, like, to recapture and and to rebring them into like their buying temperature is down now. I didn't close when they were hot still because I still didn't even know all the information. I didn't even have like a default go-to piece of furniture for them to offer and say, okay, well now let's look at this. It took me time to even come up with an alternative. So I don't care. Like, I don't care that I don't have the information. I don't care that I'm a newbie. I don't care that I'm inexperienced. I don't care that I'm still in that awkward growing stage. I know for myself, like, for me, I do not deserve to go to a motherfucking Christmas party. I literally have nothing to celebrate because I didn't close a freaking sale. So I said something came up and I'm not staying for the party. I know the question was what came up and basically what it is, is my standards and my expectations of myself. So this is honestly on December the 29th of 2019. This is where I'm sitting. This is how I truly believe that in my gut and in my core, this is why I am a confident individual is because I make promises to myself and I keep them. 
And if I do not hit the targets and uphold the goals that I have for myself, there is no reward. There is no party time. There is only work, okay, to make the work produce the results. I refuse to do anything to sabotage my success. I don't deserve to be partying. Where I should be is I should be researching product right now. I need to be researching pricing right now. I need to become more comfortable, more fluid, more adaptive with the endeavor and the path that I'm on now so that there's not going to be an issue of, oh, this price point is too high okay, I already need to have a solution on what else we can do so they can close more sales. That is what I'm committing myself to. And that's the same level of commitment that I've always had throughout my entire life, barring that stupid fuck up time when I got ready for the show. So this is Nicole DeVincentis on the 29th of December with this podcast, Straight Talk Podcast. We're getting ready to finish out the year and the decade. Okay, so I implore you to look inside of yourself as we're closing out the year and getting ready to freaking jump into the brand new year and freaking stomp on some freaking throats. I know that sounds bad. It's probably not the Christian thing to say. I get it. Okay, but are you in it to win it or are you in it to just kind of like piss and moan and just kind of like, you know, light foot your way around what it is that you're truly after. You can't lie to yourself. If there's anything that I can do to be assistance to you, your team, or your organization with mindset coaching, with goals programming to march you through the year to keep you congruent so that when you come towards the last quarter, you're not fatiguing out. You are still highly charged highly inspired and full-blown in action, making gains and moves, contact me directly. You can find me on my website. It's transformationgold.org. You can also message me on Instagram. I'm at figurechick911. Again, it's been an awesome, awesome, awesome privilege having you on this podcast. Let's get ready to rock and roll this shit and make shit happen. Peace out, yo. I'm going to work. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.